Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Wednesday Night Wall Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review the Wednesday Night War, and if you want to know our thoughts on AEW Dynamite, that is available as a podcast right now. We also review Raw, SmackDown, pay per views, we have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a Roundup of the week, complete with a bloody quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick to review NXT uh, two weeks. No, yes, two weeks away from NXT TakeOver, Stand and Deliver. How are you feeling, Hamlet? Uh, like moderately <laughs> excited for like a couple of things and not particularly in the way that they've built them. This was, I don't want to just like labour on a load of negativity when there is a space for some positives on this particular episode. This was better than last week's episode in the way that SmackDown is better than Raw. You're not dealing with particularly great products at present, but you're dealing with one that somehow, despite the fact that it's produced by the exact same people, can occasionally be like just tighter than, like one can be much tighter than the other. I thought this was a tighter show than last week. I thought it made better use of the people than last week's and probably even the week before. And still, like in spite of those like kind of cautious, optimistic pockets of praise, I still think they made a mess of a couple of pretty substantial things. And it's just what this show is at the moment. I, I, cannot, I, I can't go into a, an episode of NXT at present just full beaming, earnestly praising it. I, I just can't. It's not, it's not end-to-end good enough for that. There was a lot of very NXT things on this show. And that's a pejorative of these days. And believe me or not, it kind of makes me sad. Like a lot of very NXT, capital V, capital N stuff on this show. I will say, however, that amid the very NXT stuff on this show, I thought one performer in particular, and we'll get to them, like just tried and almost succeeded in elevating awful material with what I felt was a proper major league verbal performance, but we'll get there. Mm. Yeah. There was elements of this show that I did enjoy, but there was some stuff that baffled me and uh, yeah, for the most part left me wholly indifferent. Although I am looking forward to quite a few matches at NXT takeover stand and Liverpool. But that is the way of it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's like you say, it's, it's what we always say. Well, 
I, I mean, to be fair, the, actually, the build for, for Walter and Champa has been good. But the rest of them, I'm like, it'll be great on the night. Let's just ignore what's happened in the last six weeks. Uh, but let's start at the beginning of NXT because we opened with a quite enjoyable match. I thought Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez taking on the uh, NXT Women's Champion Io Shirai and Zoe Stark. God, I love Raquel Gonzalez in a big back. Uh, she looked really impressive in this match. Uh, that bit where she does the, the fireman's carry slam and Io, uh, and sorry, and Dakota Kai just kicks someone as well. That looked great on Zoe Stark, I thought. Uh, Io Shirai came in, she ran wild because she's Io Shirai and she's mint. Uh, she hit Gonzalez with a tiger faint kick. She hit a missile drop kick. Uh, Zoe Stark at one point came in and cleaned house uh, and Shirai jumped off the top rope, moonsault onto the floor. Stark went for a 450 splash missed and then got bloody destroyed by Raquel Gonzalez. Uh, lifted her into the air, held her. Gonzalez, while she's holding Zoe Stark, kicks Io Shirai off the apron, powerbomb Stark, one, two, three, post-match Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai attack the NXT Women's Champion Io Shirai. Gonzalez chokeslams her onto the announce desk. It looks doesn't break, it just looks brutal. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited for this match at TakeOver. And I thought this was a, I thought this was a really good presentation of the threat that Raquel Gonzalez presents Hamlet. Yeah, I thought all of this was pretty great. And the only way was down for NXT as an episode from here. Really, really good tag match. Like those quiet virtuoso performances from Dakota Kai and Io Shirai that we've seen before in tag matches or in very subtle ways that... Like, unfortunately, what where Kai currently is and where Shirai might end up in those, like, little quiet utility moments in matches. Stark is the least experienced, but, like, that was used as a positive here. Mm. She's raw. And they weren't, like, mistakes in a botchy way. They were flashes of inexperience that remind you that, like, these people are human beings and not WrestleBots. That's another problem. Like, I was going to say, that's a problem. It's another problem. with the has got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> with the performance center model is that it sends these people out that can't even portray being inexperienced because they've been molded into being so polished and Stark seems to have that. Mm. It's, it's quite stark in the differences between her and people have been in that system a great while longer that she can look inexperienced in a worked pro wrestling way. Perfect for this dynamic she's got with the Oshirai as a partner at present. Perfect for this match when she was completely overmatched by Raquel Gonzalez, especially. Fantastic finish. Um, brutal. Like, I kind of wanted Shirai to get pinned, but I think this was better. Mm. Like, using Stark to, like, physically batter Shirai and then do more damage to Shirai after the fact. Just really good booking. Good use of the Kai-Gonzalez dynamic as well. Like, just no complaints with this. Really, really strong stuff. And there was nothing else in the show that they could do better than it. Damn good, this. Damn good. Earnestly really enjoyed it. Like the undisputed, pun intended, best segment of the evening. Um, what I really liked about this is that they measured the glimpses of Shirai versus Gonzalez perfectly. Like What these matches function to do is make you want to see the match that it's building towards without pointlessly exhausting the best spots or putting them in there for too long. Measured that perfectly. And in addition to that, I thought Stark and Gonzalez had pretty awesome physical chemistry yeah. as well. Um, that rawness is most certainly a feature, not a bug, to the point where she's so desperate to impress and she's got such a power about her that when she was flying into Gonzalez, 
Like I thought, she, she wants to hurt her. Like she gets it. Like she does get it. It's just mm-hmm. it's going to take time for her to fully grasp it. But she gets it. She works like these are fights that she wants to win. Um, just have that horrible worst of NXT. Let's just go through the motions of the spots that we've learned last week about her. There's something in her, and it was nice to be reminded because I didn't get it quite the last time I saw it in the ring. Um, yeah, about as good as this could possibly be. Um, really enjoyed it. Well, you mentioned Undisputed there, Sidge. That was followed by uh, the, the the footage we talked about on uh, the preview yesterday with Adam Cole getting, Adam Cole getting double-legged out of his sodding shoes trying to attack Kyle O'Reilly in his gym. Uh, and then there was an interview with Kyle O'Reilly, Mackenzie Mitchell chatting to him. Uh, it's interrupted by Roderick Strong, who said, that they needed, we need to go and kick Cole's ass. And O'Reilly said, well, I appreciate the, the sentiment, but there really is no us anymore. This is between me and, and Adam. Strong was saying, responded by saying they could both go to hell. Sage, I sense you probably didn't like this. Look at Kyle O'Reilly's T-shirt. I'd much rather you listen to Kiss again than Joy Division. Because <laughs> that's when he was awesome. Right, that's the thing. I want to make it like explicitly clear how much I absolutely love watching Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole in the ring and how warmed I am by reports of their conduct and behavior and friendship outside of it. I desperately want this to succeed, whereas I'm guilty on the main roster reviews of wanting it to fail sometimes because they deserve it through being a horrible company. I'm desperate to get it with this dynamic and I'm not... I don't... Kyle O'Reilly might really like Joy Division. And you know what? If he does, he's a man of taste. And I don't know if it's just the way that these character characters are presented at the moment, but I just couldn't help but see the image of Triple H googling depressing music. <laughs> and uh, and silence. What's this Joy Division? And so I'm very happy. Perfect for this miserable evil prick we're building right now. Um like almost parody him wearing a Joy Division t-shirt. And I like Kyle O'Reilly so much that I'll feel guilty if it's revealed that he's trying to wear his own choice of t-shirts to get over this sullen, betrayed, sad character that he's currently working right now. Um parody for me. I thought the T-shirt was perfectly fitting because all the joy of the Undisputed Era has completely been divided and all the pleasures are unknown. So, <laughs> either a rib or it was nailed on. You know what, you're missing, like, maybe love has torn them apart. Mm. <laughs> I love the idea of, like, such a cliche take on, like, like Triple H has not just Googled depressing music, he's found a forum post in it from about 2002. Guys, what's really depressing for uh, my friend's feet? Right, next week he's going to have, like, an OK computer shirt or something like that. <laughs> um... Yeah, no good. Maybe maybe this is best saved for the closing segment. More comments on Kyler Riley and Adam Cole and all this sort of stuff. I I thought Roderick Strong was okay here. And I'll say it like here and later back backstage suits him more than going out to the ring to deliver this stuff. Takes away some of the phony tones from his voice. So I bought this more than I did when he was kind of coming out of the ring and having a nasally old bloody whine about everything. Um, suits the locker room more Roddy Strong when he's cutting these promos uh, a couple of promos we got next uh, LA Knight cutting a promo on Bronson Reed ahead of their match which we'll get to in a second and Jordan Devlin uh, cutting a promo talking about oh, what a great wrestler this guy is who's travelled all over the world and wrestled and then there's Kushida as well uh, I quite like that that's fine and we'll get to their match as well in due course and maybe talk about this there 
Uh, as then it was time for Bronson Reed versus L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight. Uh, thinking it's a good idea to poke Bronson Reed in the forehead at the start of their match. Even I can tell you that's probably a bad idea. Uh, Reed, Reed fired up, beat the crap out of L.A. Knight. Uh, he's actually hulking up into a comeback again later on in the match when Knight catches him with a neck breaker. Uh, but Reed recovers, mows him down, plants him with a choke slam, goes up top but gets crotched on the turnbuckles. But uh, as Knight goes to, to, to take him off there, he shoves Knight off. Tsunami, one, two, three. LA Knight, inexplicably, Michael Hamlet, got pinned. Well, it's not inexplicable because I've got an explanation for you. Um, to any of our American listeners, in eight or nine months, when Peacock gets the Raw archives back, go and watch um, any episode of Raw from, say, April 1998 onwards, and you'll find LA Knight. Only he's called The Rock and he's way better. Um, and that character will repeatedly like rip the piss out of a Triple H who is supposed to be nose to nose with him. They're supposed to be Brett and Sean and Hogan and Warrior and on the exact same level and who's going to be the one to get above the other. Only that's only in Triple H's mind because The Rock absolutely races past him every single time. He improvises in promos and it's always edgy and he always wins. His work's more superior. Everything about him is more superior. And it's taken Triple H a long time to take his revenge on 1998 Rock. <laughs> yeah. But done it by signing 1998 Rock and burying him by having him lose his debut in a match that was a six-minute chin-lock escape that turned into a 12-minute ball. Like, fair, <laughs> fair play at the old cerebral assassin. Like, I thought he'd lost a lot of this long game playing that he used to do. Like, he thought he could play the long game and then John Laurinaitis got his job back, so he lost the long game. But he was always playing a different one. And that was finally getting his revenge on 1998 Rock, ripping the piss out of his push. Um this what the was this i'm not an la night guy um and if you're going to beat him i'm not going to come on a podcast and be like oh that's it he's dead he's doomed or whatever but he's doomed at least, in NXT anyway at least i haven't beat yeah yeah at least i haven't been dead and doomed in an interesting match what the frig was this match what the frig was this result just think of the context of it oh great you've like so now are you asking us to reposition all that like it's fine right if you want to say that la knight's wealth and obnoxiousness was fake if that mansion turns out to be if we see clips of it turns out that that mansion that he was cutting a promo from the camera pulls back and he was actually renting it or he'd like gone there while the owners were out and they're like chasing him off the property and they want to make him like fake rich and that's why he goes to cameron grinds like there's an element of fun to be had in that but that's absolutely not what they were doing when he debuted on the takeover kickoff they were presenting him as real, rich, real, elite, real, exclusive. If they want to undermine that now, I can enjoy the gags, but let's not pretend that what that's what this was to begin with. And that's the only way I see it out of this start to his life as a wrestler. I've got literally nothing to say about this 12-minute match. Like, what? how overlong was this? Like, so overlong and pointlessly so. I can't say anything on top of that, to be honest, other than it's one thing to book a deluded heel. And Christ knows that LA Knight is far better suited to that role than aspirational headliner, game-changing, like, last of a dying breed. I'm an actual star, look at me. Because if, if they're trying to do that, they've done it terribly because that promo that he cut where he tried to get himself over was so straight-faced, he never got a hint as to oh, hang on, he's just all mouth, knee trousers, alligator, knee idea, that it doesn't make him look like a dick for believing his own bollocks. It just makes the process look bad. 
because you're getting two mixed messages from a company that increasingly feels like they have no clue what they're doing. So I don't think, oh, it's funny, let's laugh at LA and I for getting beat. I think, what's NXT doing here? (laughs) Just, I I couldn't believe it when when he hit the tsunami, I went, well, that's got to be it. And then it was it, and I'm still somehow surprised by it, but they'll probably... He didn't last, didn't last a week in this business. <laughs> he was talking through his jacket. Right, well, we'll talk about this mad tournament that's coming uh, to set up Gargano. Well, to set up quite clearly Dexter Lumis versus Gargano, probably, but we'll talk about that in a second. Before that, we got Oni Lorcan versus Carrion Cross. Uh, obviously, Lorcan furious with Cross for uh, injuring his tag team partner. Uh, again, uh, best wishes to uh, Danny Birch. Hopefully, he recovers from his separated shoulder, which I believe they said might put him out for six months, which would be awful. Uh, get well soon, Danny. Um, and yeah, as a result, that Lorcan got in a bit of offense. Here. He was just seeing red and wanted to get his hands on on only Lorcan. He got a bit of offense in on Carrying Cross. Took him across a break, but uh, and uh, it required Carrying Cross to post himself because, of course, it did. Um, he gets in a flurry of uppercuts and chops and what have you, and then Cross goes right enough of all that. He'd earlier on he'd hit him with this lariat out of bloody nowhere that took his head off. This time he kicked him in the face uh, and then hit that running uppercut, whatever you want to call it, from behind. One, two, three. Post match, he cuts a promo on Finn Balor, which brings the cat out of the cradle. Uh, and uh, Finn says, uh, Little boy blue going straight to the moon. He says that Gary Cross has shown his weakness. <laughs> when you're coming home, but I don't know when. We should be entertaining again. <laughs> sure, have a good time then. Ballard says Cross showed his weakness last week. He's he's a young hothead ruled by emotion. Uh, he's and Ballard said, "I'm going to be cold and dispassionate at takeover, stand and deliver, and I'm going to drown you in the deep water." Uh, Sage, thoughts on the match and what happened afterwards? And the match was, it, it's weird. It was the heels and it was the baby faces and this <laughs> utterly, incredibly intense mess because I've got absolutely no idea. It's three hard lads. Hard lad wanting revenge for his hard lad mate. Fights another hard lad. Ah, hard lad's a little bit harder. But the hard lad who, like, I'm really confused for an emotional guy personally, um, gets accused. This Was this promo a complete load of bollocks? I, I don't get it. It's, I think he's just implied that his, his weakness is Scarlet. Because he's going to be right. Okay, fine. yes, okay, yes, granted. Um, okay, fine. But it's still fine. If it, Even if it makes sense, it's still fine. Like, what's what's Bala going to do then? Just like... Coup de Grasse, Scarlet Bordeaux. Yeah, like this was, I, I, I don't know. I'll try and articulate Cedric's feelings because I felt much the same. This was like the match was like better than bang average. And you're like, oh, that's a, that's a surprise. <laughs> good, good for them. Good for Oni Larkin, who has bangers all the time to have a better than bang average match. Good for carrying Cross, who's being positioned as the next champion to not have an average TV match that went under 10 minutes. Good for them. Like I'd ruffle the hair if there was any to ruffle. Um, yeah, the psychology was weird because like Larkin was gutsy, and yes, that makes sense in the context of the story, but no, it doesn't in terms of the other thing you're doing with carrying cross, which is the same problem they've had with 
when he was squashing Legada del Fantasma, to a lesser extent, an issue with the Damien Priest match. Um, so it's weird. I don't think they've quite figured it out yet. I don't have the faith that they're going to have figured it out before the Finn Balor match, truthfully. Um, I kind of think this was what you're going to get with Finn Balor. This was a fairly accurate portrayal of the... It's going to be longer at TakeOver, because of course it is. But like, it's. I think you're going to get this stretched out over 20, maybe, or at least 15, where Lorkin is going to be heelish at times, but he's going to... Like, Balor's going to be heelish at times, but ultimately he's going to have guts and he's going to have fire because Cross is so much bigger and so much stronger. He's going to overwhelm him with his strength. They're going to talk and talk and talk about all the mind games going at this match, when in reality it's going to be about the bodies. It's going to be about how just physically dominant Cross is going to be. I guess that's quite cute, I guess, but I wish I didn't have to endure all the promos in the run-up. Then we got the announcement from uh, William Regal regarding uh, the... This was the gauntlet eliminator. I, I, I I'm just going to mention what he mentioned with the tag team titles as well here in case I forget later on. Uh, tag team titles, it's going to be a triple threat at NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. MSK versus the new tag team champions, if if, I'm, if I get my way. The grizzled young veterans and then inexplicably Legado Del Fantasma presumably in there to take the fall. Uh, so that's what that's going to be. Uh, but the, the gauntlet, yes, has been announced. It's going to be a battle royal next week with... 12 men in it who are all, you know, contenders for the NXT North American Championship. 12 men in that. The last six, it's honestly, this is the most TNA thing I've ever seen. The last six are going to then be in a gauntlet eliminator. The order they get eliminated from the Battle Royal, stick with me at the back, determines their order in the gauntlet. And the winner of that gauntlet, probably Dexter Loomis, is going to face Johnny Gargano on night two of TakeOver Stand and Deliver. As, as a TNA fan, you must have been loving this pamphlet. <laughs> William Regal, as a booker of matches, as a solver of problems, like it's the whole Frank Grimes episode of The Simpsons. He walks into NXT, and it, as Frank Grimes did in at Springfield, and things are pretty normal. And then Frank Grimes meets Homer and gradually goes insane, as does William Regal. And like, this is William Regal, like when Frank Grimes pulls onto those like electrified ropes, like, I'm Homer Simpson. William Regal's like, I'm a wrestling booker. I've got this stipulation. <laughs> He's just like screaming out various stipulations that he once saw on like a, a SmackDown game or something like that. Gauntlet, eliminate an Iron Man match ladder. He just shouts them and throws them up in the air and some come out and here we go. Like, what the frig do they want us to think about how he's arrived at this. NXT doesn't have rankings, so you you can say these names, but it's not informed by anything, is it? It's not like, and then the wrestlers themselves have got to be like, oh, cool, well, I'm uh, next week on NXT, I'm going to jump through this hoop, and then after that, I can't wait to jump through this hoop, Mr. Regal, and then I'm going to get my opportunity. So they all sound like tits. Um, Just, there is no hope for <laughs> just end the podcast there. <laughs> There's no hope for this because this is just what they do. Like this is the worst ever. The worst offender of this ever was, of course, the four-man 60-minute Ironman match that you had in your that you knew in your heart of hearts wasn't gonna even get him finished. Like that was the worst offender for this. Um all of the other alternatives come pretty close. We're at the point where we could do a list on what culture of 10 stupid matches that William Regal has been booked. And it's always the same. You send, this you is get like, numbers. 
This is like Vince McMahon using his crap general managers as patsies for his rubbish ideas. And then it's like, Brad Maddox sure had a stupid idea. So we <laughs> so we on podcasts sit here and go like, bloody William Regal, idiot. And it's still Triple H and Rose Dog and Shawn Michaels coming up with this garbage around a table. It's, a, it's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. And then, you know, like, here I am trying to be discerning and be like, oh, I noticed that Kushida called himself the best technical wrestler in a promo earlier on. And Pete Dunne's been calling himself the best technical wrestler and he wants to win the North American title. So maybe he'll win the North American title and then Kushida will be like, oh, I'm a better technical wrestler and we'll fight over a title. It won't be because they'll be put into an eight-man ladder match at a takeover instead of just having a singles feud because I've got no faith in the process anymore. What did he think? <laughs> Sorry. Um, so hang on, let's get this right. This is very convoluted. Did not real? Did no one like? The, 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 what's happened here is that people have lost their minds down there, right? They've lost their minds. So this is what happens: is the byproduct of minds that have been lost. So there's no rational mind to say, "It's a bit." Come on. I can't get on the wavelength of thought because I've got a rational mind. The capital wrestling goofball. I mean, <laughs> so there's a battle royal. How many guys in it? 12, man. 12. And when it, the field thins to six, end of the match. No, this is, this is the thing. I don't think that's the case. I think they have a full-on battle royal, an over-the-top rope battle royal, but only the last six will then qualify for the eliminator gauntlet the next week, which will be like six will fight five and the winner of that will then fight four and then they'll fight three. So if you win the battle Royal, you got the last match at the end of the gauntlet. Is that right? Hamlet? I remember that. Yeah, that's how I took it because what they're like, it's there. And I, I get this to a point, like they're going to take up a sizable amount of time with that gauntlet match. Yeah. And WWE, Love these things now, and there's about a 50-50 hit ratio of how well they do getting over a baby facing. But the idea is probably... Kofi Kingston and everyone else. Oh, and when Seth Rollins did it, oh, everyone gosh. at the time I said, You know what? 75 minutes, and there we are on tape on a podcast saying it was boring, actually. Um, yeah, like if it is gonna be Loomis, for example, um, he'll be like third, he'll be the third runner up in the battle royal, so he really has to graft for it in the gauntlet eliminator. That's how I that's how I took it as well. Whoever still rubbish. To- it's minging. Still rubbish. My prediction is Christian Cage is going to have to replace someone in the semi-finals, and maybe a Junior Fatu is going to drop out or something. Is <laughs> the DNA fight for the right tournament? Jesus Christ! Just remember when, Rick, when uh, he was just like he didn't give a toss, Fatu, and he was like, "Who am I facing tonight? Some guy, Ricky Rude." <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear homegrown top guys. <laughs> Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Anyway, uh, let's get to one of the highlights of NXT this week. Walter murdering Drake Maverick. Uh, Not quite to the level that we booked it yesterday, Sige, but it was just a destruction in three moves. Nailed Drake Maverick uh, from the moment he got confident enough to try and get in his face. Power bombs him, half crabs in the ref, has already called a stop to this match, called it a no contest. Uh, Post-match, Tommaso Ciampa marches down, confronts him, challenges Walter to a match at TakeOver for that NXT uh, United Kingdom Championship. Walter goes to leave, Ciampa jumps him, of course, the numbers game of Imperium, who are still in the ring. They all uh, gang up on Tommaso Ciampa. There's sort of a Sort of an Andre Hogan moment with the necklace around Champa's neck. Uh, and then I love the bit where they they hold Champa up and he chops the crap out of him. Uh, and that's what, what we get for TakeOver. But were you slightly disappointed that we didn't see uh, Drake Maverick murdered more? Profoundly. Profoundly. It's, it's pure incompetence that they didn't have Drake Maverick get chopped, like, repeatedly and disgustingly. It, can Walter not chop in America? <laughs> you not? Know, I'm serious. That chop on Champa was like, uh, was that the dud explosion? Drew it took was... his powers, didn't he? Yeah. Drew McIntyre took his powers. It's a it was a good chop, but like it's not the Walter chop. Like Goshiyazaki's better at chopping these days. I was so disappointed with all of this. Um I quite like the fact that he, did, he, he beat him up so bad that we didn't even get to the chops, like the power bomb. And they were like, right, well, that's that. Stop it, please. Nah, chop him. Chop, 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 chop. I want to I see Re- Drake Maverick's chest into mince. And if, like, I'm making a salient point here, not just being like me, because, you know, people know I like watching little people get beat up. Like, Walter has appeared on a few NXT shows that you'd think proper NXT fans have watched. Uh, but then again, when worlds collide, small, really subdued, quiet crowd. And he had a match with Kishida, I think, early on in the Wednesday Night War. Take of New York, that's the one. Where he won the belt, that's it. That's the, like, the most take of New York. Like, that's either way, you need reminding. You either need introducing or reminding of what exactly Walter is capable of, why he's got this incredible aura, why when the lights go out and you hear the opening strains of his music, it's like it genuinely feels like, oh, someone's going to get messed up here. I didn't get that out of this at all, and I was really disappointed. Yeah, I was left a little underwhelmed by this too. Um, I got the idea that they were trying to save Walter's, like, you know, like biggest weapon, I guess, for Champa. 
So I, th I think that was the intent. I don't think it worked well. Yeah, I wanted to see what it looked like. See Drake Maverick cry for real. Is that so much to ask? Um, but if, <laughs> like, I I'm into the match. I'm into the match. I've said this before. I'll big time into it. It'll be great. Yeah, like, it's a we've kind of talked about this. It's a proper, oh, they didn't book this in 2018. Cool. Like, it's that match more than it is a story. I don't particularly buy why Champ would want the NXT UK title because if he thinks there's greasy creeps in the NXT in America, Christ, he's not going to want to go to the BT Sports Studios. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm into the match. They, they've, they've done the work putting the two faces next to each other on the poster. Like they get they get these free passes every now and then. And they, they've stumbled upon a really good pairing in Champ and Walter. And like to be fair, like to, to Cedric's point on the preview about chat, like Champ has got form here because he didn't like Thatcher taking liberties. So you wouldn't like Walter taking liberties. Like he's kind of got this like strange code that he tries to apply to things. Yeah. There is a story that they're probably not telling like well enough. Uh, and like Will Thatcher figure into this coming out the other side. I, it's all right. This it's okay. Just this wasn't enough of the the Walter the Walter the whole Walter sales package. We didn't get anywhere near enough of. Uh, we had a Pete Dunn promo where he uh, said he was going to win the Battle Royal next week and, and go on to capture the North American title, Bab. Uh, and then Robert Stone uh, had a, a, a scene backstage with Mercedes Martinez. Uh, <laughs> where he, oh, God. Where he revealed Jessica Mir was injured and, uh, yeah, they were going to bribe uh, Mercedes Martinez to be Aaliyah's tag team partner and Mercedes Martinez went, well, right? Well, Sorry, is... I've, got, I've got a much older sister and I was born in the Midlands and she still calls me Bab when I answer the phone and that's gone now, isn't it? Pete Dunn, fight her. Right, Bab. Right, uh, great, you're going to win the belt, are you, kid? Uh... Yeah, uh, Mercedes Martinez said... Uh... Hello, beat everybody. Take <laughs> <laughs> the belt back to my mum. <laughs> oh, that really winds me up, the fact that people from Birmingham say mum. Honestly, I had to live there for a few years. And, uh, you're not an American. Raised like that man until I was dragged to the northeast. Dragged myself there just to go to uni, just to get free of this. Sounded just like my mom. <laughs> uh, any, I don't know, it was not at which point, but anything you want to say about these two promos, uh, Sidge or the, the bribing? That, that wasn't Pete Dunn. Uh, the Mercedes Martinez saying, This is half, I'll have the other after the match. Die, whatever. <laughs> it's okay. Can we, yeah, I, yeah, we'll do the, can we do the match and then. Well, before we do that, there was a very entertaining, well, an entertaining part of Johnny Gargano going into confront William Regal, going, "Well, this isn't right. This isn't fair. Like all these twelve guys got to beat the crap out of each other for two weeks, but I, I don't get time to prepare for any of this." Um, and uh, William Regal is baffled, Michael Hamlet, that Johnny Gargano wears that belt everywhere. I quite like this. Gargano again, it's a force of will thing, isn't it? He he really, really tried like that. He's dragging the camera with him. He's like, oh, come on, guys, you're gonna want to see this. This what idea is? in his mind that he's like he's about to bust this thing wide open. This was one of those weeks where Johnny Gargano like really, really tries to elevate bad material. It's hard not to watch it through that prism. Um, but he, he he's entertaining in and of himself. Uh, yeah, and then we got to the match uh, of Mercedes Martinez and Aaliyah taking on Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. Uh, as we kind of called uh, Ember Moon, uh, well, the Blackheart hit a hot tag into into Ember Moon, nailed Aaliyah with the Eclipse for the victory. Champs looking strong, Hamlet. Yeah, what the? Yeah, you know how the champs could have looked really strong is by winning the original match and not putting the more credible person in to still lose in the same amount of time. What a strange idea this was. Why not have the champs look strong in what, like four minutes? This went or something? Very against, short. Yeah. 
against Aaliyah and um, Jesse Camilla and then have Robert Stone try and convince Mercedes Martinez next week because Jesse Camilla and Aaliyah were soundly beaten. Why not do that like next week and then have Mercedes Martinez come in and maybe add a bit of, maybe they lose again, but this time like they go eight to 10 minutes and then Robert Stone realises, hang on, I've got to stop hanging around with complete losers. And then he finds somebody else of Mercedes Martinez's level. And finally, he's got a tag team that might actually beat Shuts the Black Animal. Why not tell a story instead of paying off Mercedes Martinez because he realises that his team's not good enough. And then the team with the good wrestler and still losing in just the same amount of time that the first one would have. What a weird, strange, backward piece this was when they were so close to just getting it right by keeping it simple and presenting the match they'd already booked. <laughs> Honestly, man, the way Hamford's going right now, he's going to be eating sriracha. He's going to be dipping his chips in vinegar. He's going to get me all the condiments. Is it, do you think it's a COVID thing? Because I can't smell all of a sudden. Maybe they're not so bad. <laughs> all the condiments. They, they, they didn't smell nothing. What was I so worried about? This heel turn's fantastic. Sage, <laughs> what do you reckon to the match? Nothing. Go. Cool. Uh, then we got uh, Roderick Strong backstage. And who, if you're in the midst of a crisis with all your best friends, do you not want to show up? Here can we go, baby! Straight to the moon! Uh, and Grimes comes in and goes, oh, yeah, I can see where you're coming from here, Roddy, boy. It is, uh, I'm taking just as bad as you are. Uh, doesn't have to end like this, though. I could buy the intellectual property of the Undisputed Era. And Strong chins him. <laughs> just because he's just so good rolls around on the floor saying, this is an unabandoned business, Roddy. Great stuff. This was great, Sige. Yes, finally a layer in this convoluted madness of a North American title scene that I can actually get into. Like, if there's anything that needs to have a little bit of light to it, it's this goddamn undisputed era business. Like, use how portentous it all is to friggin', like... Give me catharsis about it um, and have your characters react to it. Excellent. Excellent. Grimes, like, yeah, it's just terrific. I think this is like probably more evidence, my point, that like Strong is better in this environment than he is out with the microphone and the WWE show opening promo style. Grimes, like, really brilliantly underplayed this until he didn't. Like, he was almost like trying to stop himself becoming Grimes because he knows that when he lets himself out, Roddy Strong's going to chin him. <laughs> and then Roddy Strong chins him anyway, so then he just lets himself out. Like, I really, really like how Grimes played this and it, what this particular, like, this group of mid-carders, yeah, so desperately, desperately needs is, a, like, a little actual individual stories to get invested in. This is one of them. Yeah, it just, it, just such, like, I'm sorry to hear about the, um, the death in your family, but... Uh... Are you going to finish that sandwich? Like, that's what the vibes I got from this, basically. I just, just give me some bit of light. Bit of, so, so, oh, so brave. Oh, cheer up, you boring bastards. Uh, right. We then got a, a, a match I actually would really want to see for the NXT Women's Tag Team title set up. Uh, Candice Ray and Indy Hotwell challenging Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. That could be great at TakeOver, Sige. That's, no, no, it won't. Shotty Blackheart and Candice LeRae. I will have absolutely no slander about Miro and best friends if that is going to be put intended the way. Let's be consistent. I'm bored this of that dynamic, circular, not even resolved. Who won that feud? 
With the WhatsApp, they've bumped into the other team in the division, haven't they? They've bumped into the team that they've made belts for a division that's already got about three of them. Um, and that's what we're getting. Yeah, I'm actually I'm with Sidgwick completely on this one. I, d- I don't want to see Candice Ray and Shotty Blackheart fight anymore. Um, they've booked this out with necessity. The match might be fine. The match, the, like, the match might be all right. No, the match will be good, yeah. But I, Well, I think it could go either way, actually. I think it could be great, but it might not. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah, I get your issue. I'm not going to pick on someone, but yeah. There's someone green in this match. She owns it on Twitter, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, but like Ember Moon versus Candice Array will be technically really good, I think. So, we'll, we'll, uh, I hope at least. Uh, right, let's go on to another match that was actually really good as well. Jordan Devlin versus Kushida again. It, <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those things, isn't it? Like, it's what you all say. You, you both say, like, yeah, strangely enough, when you just hoy these blokes in a ring together, probably they're really good wrestlers. They're good in spite of everything. Um, yeah, Jordan Devlin's incredibly talented. Uh, and Asai moons out to the floor. Uh, he keeps trying to block Kushida. He's going for that arm bar. Uh, he catches Kushida in a slingshot cutter. And then out on the stage comes Santos Escobar and Legado del Fantasma. That distracts Devlin. That allows Kushida to hit a superplex, cross arm breaker. Devlin gets his foot on the ropes. Uh, but then Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde pull Devlin out of the ring whilst the referee is distracted. Kushida knocks them both off the apron with one of those handspring things. Uh, and then in the midst of all this, whilst they're all constantly getting distracted by Santos Escobar. Uh, that allows Devlin uh, to O'Connor old Kushida pin him with the bridge cradle. One, two, three. Post-match, Kushida just is pissed off and uh, does a couple of flip dives onto, uh, onto Mendoza and Wild. Uh, distraction finish, Sige. But aside from that, I really quite enjoyed this match. Park all the emotions to one side. Um, there was some really strong wrestling here. Um, Devitt. Devitt? No, he's junior Devitt. He's a uh, his bloody name. The one I hate. Devlin. Devlin. I, that's it. Sounds close enough. Um, his like feigned trickery moonsault spot is class. Can't deny that it's class. There were certain hold for hold transitions here that I thought were really good because, like, it's not just good to have like a good technical wrestling match, but when the two technical wrestlers are aware of how good one another is, like, it creates that struggle and that brinksmanship. Uh, and that makes for good pro wrestling storytelling. Yeah, it still didn't hit the heights of great that you thought NXT were really going to get here. Um, but yeah, investment to one side. Well worked. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Like it was always moving, you know, it was there was always a lot going on. And I appreciated that. There's too often that formula like overwhelms. NXT just as it does WWE and they slow it down so you know the commercials come in or they kind of heat it back up because you know the finish is coming, whatever. They're the, the, the quality of wrestler to be able to overwhelm that often like, you know, strangling formula. I just, I got all of the emotional enjoyment out of Kushida playing a battle-ready Chris Hansen that I was going to get last year. So I didn't get that here. Um, and they have this thing where they believe that as long as they show Kushida to be like dead hard and pissed off about what's happened to him, things can still happen to him. And I don't buy that anymore. Like when he first started getting serious and not taking anybody anymore, it was it was really cathartic. But we've passed that point now. We've seen what his ceiling is. And it just feels like, I just can see the wires. Like, oh yeah, brilliant. He really showed them at the end after he just lost that match. Like it doesn't, it doesn't lead to him building on 
anything anymore. It's just like, oh, they let it's that 50 50 type thing. Oh, they're letting him get his heat back, that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't particularly think this. I knew what Kashida was being used for, regardless of if they tried to tell me otherwise at the end. But then Sean Michaels makes an appearance. He comes out. Uh, you've got uh, Escobar and Devlin in the ring, both, of course, cruiserweight champions, insisting they're the only one. They've both got belts and everything. And Sean Michaels comes out, looks at the both of them, reaches under the ring, pulls a ladder out from under it, and slides it in. It looks like they are going to have a ladder match to determine the cruiserweight champion at TakeOver, Hamper. I, uh, I don't know why Sean Michaels, a boy toy, gets so much credit for ladder matches because me and my dad did that in our territory <laughs> before. I brought that to Vince McMahon, not Sean Michaels, a boy toy. Um, they just have more footage of him in ladder matches. I don't, I don't get it. You want to see a great ladder match? You want to see Jake Roberts wrestling for my father in the late 70s? That's a ladder match. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's a key difference here that I would like to point out because I'm clever and insightful. Um, and not biased, which is I'll probably get accused of. If anyone freaking listens to this podcast, when AEW do old school things and they love the nineties, they love the nineties, right? Maybe a little bit too much at times. It feels like, oh, you're influenced by that, and is that really going to appeal to like the eighteen-year-olds that you really want to build? Whatever. It, at the very least, is always so loving. Like they love certain angles, certain like spots or just whatever. And it's like they try and modernize it. Sometimes they'll just pay a loving tribute to it or they'll try and use the old beats of the 90s episodic wrestling TV format to do new sprawling variations of them. I'm talking about like the invasions. A lot of what Kenny Omega is doing at the moment anyway. This feels like the brand imposing that love of their own like mythology onto these performers i just felt they've got reduced by all of this it'll probably make for a better match and it's cute because there's two belts but it just felt like right come on time to do what we did back in the day because that was the way in terms of using Shawn michaels to kind of like i don't know like engineer something new in these new characters with somebody from the past i preferred the glare with adam cole than i did throwing the ladder in the middle of two belts like, I got all the references, but I much preferred how it was like that little stare with Adam Cole of that, like, looking into his past and his future and all that, rather than the, the actual use of the ladder here. Just because it, like, it was cute. It'll make for a better match. And it completely took me by surprise. And yet when it happened, I thought, oh, that makes all the sense of the world. But it's still very much like, come on, kids, your turn to please daddy. <laughs> Yeah, I liked it, I, I, and I like the, the the touch that they've had, but I can completely see where you're coming from. It did feel a bit, you know, this wasn't, oh, my God, what's HBK doing in NXT? We all know what he's doing there. So it's it's slightly tainted. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just glad he didn't stare at his hands after he picked up the ladder, to be honest. So uh, there we go. Trying to close the door in Road Dog's face. <laughs> Right, let's get to the main event time with, uh, as it was advertised, William Regal's consequences uh, from what happened. And I did like the, the, the table set up, the security, you mentioned them walking to the ring and the, the little interaction between uh, Michaels and, and Cole. And the bit where they sat at the table, they've got the, the contract. They, it, it, I'll get to what the match is going to be, presumably, in a second. But I don't know why. Maybe because I knew we were nearly at an end. Regal going, you got the bloody police involved! Really got me going. Um, 
he said he's not going to he's not going to let them uh, embarrass the company so many people had worked so hard to create but he uh, he got a contract it's for a match on the second night of takeover co-main event um it's a, what's it called hold harmless agreement it's basically an unsanctioned match for for NXT of course uh although they're probably not going to call it that cuz <laughs> that makes you think of another company when you uh, when you say they would do an unsanctioned match as well before AEW i think it'll go it's called unsanctioned just not lights out yeah, I suppose. They, 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 yeah, they, they love the whole hold harmless thing with Rollins and, and Triple H, obviously. I know that, but it's just, I don't know, in the moment. It, it, they didn't specifically say the words unsanctioned match, so who knows what it's going to be t- technically, but we'll call it that. Uh, anyway, they have promo, there's a promo off between the two of them. Uh, Adam Cole talks about having a revelation, Undisputed Era holding him back, and that uh, Kyle O'Reilly was actually the one that made him realise that. Uh, he bought into previously the BS about Undisputed Era being a brotherhood, um, he was pissed off that Kyle wanted Finn Balor to join them. Uh, he called O'Reilly a lap dog, buried him, uh, and he said he should thank him. He put him. He said he was the driving force behind Undisputed Era, and he signs a contract and he slides it over to Kyle O'Reilly. I think this is the moment you really enjoyed, Sige, because Kyle O'Reilly talks about uh, the, the history of Undisputed Era, three and a half years of them. Um, Pitbulls uh, making a statement in NXT. Uh, he grew up though, but he developed accountability. You look at you look a man in the eye when you kick his teeth in. No more sneak attacks. No more BS. Uh, he said they came to NXT to become better wrestlers, better champions, and better superstars. But only one of them became a better person. Cole is the same asshole that walked into NXT three and a half years ago. He said he sold his soul for Undisputed Era, and he wants his soul back. Uh, Cole had sold out his friends. He's going to beat Cole and then finally be able to sleep at night. He signs the contract. He throws the pen at Cole and they're just lunging at each other and being held back by security and shouting in each other's faces, setting up uh, the unsanctioned match at TakeOver in, well, now two weeks time, I suppose. It's Thursday after all night two of TakeOver is the Thursday night. Uh, Sige, was it O'Reilly you were alluding to here in terms of trying to make the most of what he was given? No, um, I liked Kyle O'Reilly's material far more than Adam Cole's. And Kyle O'Reilly wasn't necessarily bad. Just play the air guitar and be funny. <laughs> as much as I hated the content of Adam Cole's promo, it was probably more inoffensive than the actions of the character and the tough guy. I, I just thought his verbal performance transcended the material to the point where I just was really impressed by him. I thought it was a ma- it just felt major league in a way that I can't quite articulate um, from Adam Cole. I mean, I guess if nothing else, it just made me think, God damn it, if he was allowed to say his own stuff and he wasn't involved in an NXT of 2021 feud, how awesome he would be operating in a major league role in a major league company. Um, I thought his delivery was just fantastic. I could not have hated the optics more of Kyle O'Reilly saying, we've got heat with a general manager for life. What he's essentially saying is that daddy's never going to get us out of trouble here. Like, we're in trouble with daddy forever. <laughs> like, just get to the great match I'm going to watch <laughs> so I can stay in bed a little bit later and not aid <laughs> the people I want to like. Um. Yeah, like, how the flowers can't blossom when the roots are dead. And the roots of this story continue to be William Regal being angry about something. Like, I just, I hate the introduction of this so much. And I, I feel like I just bang this drum every week. Like, who gives a sh- 
if he's if they've brought shame upon NXT or on the brand or whatever. On the other side, there was excessive bloodthirsty violence last week. And what happened? Oh, the promotion was like lauded with praise as a result. Like it's thick even in context to assume that this match isn't a good thing for your wrestling show and yet we're asked to believe otherwise. Like, are you asking us to think NXT doesn't endorse people fighting each other? Well, then what is it if not that? Like, I hate that that's so constantly the set War games, ladder matches leading to war yeah. games. They enable it. Uh-huh. Like, well, every, half the things William Regal books is the sort of stuff that he later pretends to be disgusted by. Doesn't make sense. I'm freaking Johnny Cochran in court trying to, like, get OJ off the hook. It doesn't make sense. Like, this William Regal character doesn't make sense. The, the angle does. The Colin O'Reilly rivalry does. But it just drowns in this Champa Gargano, Michael's Triple H, melodrama. It drowns in it. Um, I don't want Adam Cole. I, I, I agree with Cedric. I thought the material was good and the match felt worthy of a main event because they both, they both know how to do this fundamentally. But I, even then, like Cole, I want so much more and not think that Cole is his, is his equal or something, you know? I can... Like Kyler Riley threw the pen, and it's like, well, that's not going to get you anywhere because Adam Cole knows where you buy your pens. So, <laughs> just nah, not for me. This really not for me. I, I'm I'm not sure the match is going to be that great. You know, it's going to be fantastic. I just, from the start, I was like panicking about one final beat, two, <laughs> two, final beat. two final beats. Yeah, shut up, man. Well done. Maybe about forty six things that were wrong with it. If that's about a one per minute ratio. Um, and I don't want that for these two. I want so much more for these. I care so much more for these two. Um, My prediction is that you'll get the melodrama at a point where you can stomach it because the violence will have been so beautiful beforehand. It's cool. I don't want to watch this Adam Cole match. I'm not familiar with it. I'm not familiar with edgy tweener Adam Cole. Like, where's my coward? Or where's that like like you were saying yesterday on the on the preview? Where's the like the snake here? Because the snake wouldn't just like shout down to its rival's face, would it? It'd wait and it'd be coying and then it would strike. I'm not getting any of that from this, but yeah, the match will probably be good. Good for them. It'd be a gentleman's four, a banger average. <laughs> two weeks to go though till uh, till that match and uh, well. Less than two weeks now until NXT TakeOver stand and deliver. Uh, you may stand, Kyle, but I deliver. <laughs> um, I'll do that in that little face-off where they, they have all of them shuffled onto stage one after another after another on the go. Oh, please do that again. Oh, wait for that. Moving match graphics, guys. Wasn't the ruthless aggression either great? Newsflash, idiots. Can't the, wait. Oh, the return of moving graphics. It was crap when the graphics moved. It's even worse now. Can't wait for the BT Sports journalists to get the pre-written checks for tweets that say, man, love the intense build-up to the takeover matches. So great, they put them all face-to-face at the last minute. The whole point of Colin O'Reilly is that they literally can't be face-to-face. That's why we've got this in match. I think I know which way this is going to go, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Who won the Wednesday Night War for you? That's a dynamite, just edged it. It's like, nah, some of of NXT was all right. Like, all flippancy aside, some of it really was all right. Dynamite was just better. Yeah, Sage. Uh, it was a great, fantastic television show. It's like two bits that I mildly disliked. 
this isn't a war and it hasn't been a war. Christian a Cage would listen to us talk about NXT and go, oh, that'd be cranky Frankie. The tag match is pretty fun. Like Io Shirai and the gang knocked out of the park. Uh, the Twitter vote goes a similar way, 62% to 38% in favour of AW. Another clean sweep for PT McPickles. Uh, records, thanks once again to Pete. It's seven now at this point. Are we in double figures now? Must be like more. No, no, I think it's... Uh, I remember because when it went 5-0, like a tosser, I went, Philly Balbe! For a very niche tweet. <laughs> and I don't think that was five weeks ago. I, I My sense of time is formed through my um, Twitter validation. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to tweet us your thoughts on these shows at What Culture WWE Watch here there, follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at um, Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, where you can listen to the uh, review of AW Dynamite right now. But this has been the Wednesday Night War review of NXT. My thanks to the Dadley Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents the anime effect we are a new show breaking down the anime news views and shows you care about each and every week i can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life yeah i agree we're covering all the classics if i don't know a lot about godzilla which i do but i'm trying to pretend (laughs) that i don't right hold it in and our current faves luffy must have his due (laughs) tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.